You are listening to teaching from Grace Baptist Church in Troy, Ohio. For more information, visit www.findinggrace.net. Good morning. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church once again. Very excited to see all of you here. And thank you to the praise team. Such amazing songs they picked out today. Really, they have no idea what my message entails today, but those songs really just hit it right on the head of the nail. So thank you, praise team, for those songs. Just a few announcements before we begin for you guys. This week is Vacation Bible School. So I know there's many, many people, probably 30 to 40 workers, but maybe even more people behind the scenes have put a lot of work into this coming week. We'd love to have all of your children here this week. If you can think of friends or family or neighbors, other children in the area that would be blessed by this, bring them, let them know what's going on here. Last year we had about 98 kids on one of the nights, and we'd love to be able to top that this year. We'd love to have so many children just come and hear the gospel, hear God's word. I thank you to the many workers that are going to be here this week, and keep us in prayer, because it's a lot of commitment. It's a lot of sacrifice of their time and of their energy, and I know personally that you go home each night pretty well zapped, so I pray for, I ask that you guys keep us in prayer for energy as we do this as well. August 14th, Sunday, August 14th, we'll be doing the missions presentation from both the India trip and Peru trip. And we have a lot of stories to share with you, as I know I was recently on this trip as well. So keep that in prayer as we plan that out. And I hope you all look forward to hearing of the many stories there. So this morning, we are going to be in Jeremiah chapter 29. So if you could start opening your Bibles to Jeremiah 29. I once heard a pastor on the radio sharing a story from his father that his father was a pastor before him. And he said that one of the most joyful sounds to him each week was every Sunday morning hearing the Bible's opening, the pages rustling to the morning scripture. And nowadays, one of the most joyful things to him is getting to see the glow of the sanctuary. So that's always stuck with me. Teens have heard a lot of this. It's funny stuff. But it really does have a meaning, though, to have your own physical Bible. So I, I do hope that each and every one of you consider bringing your Bibles each Sunday. The tablets are great. The phones are great. I use it as well. But you need to get your physical Bible out every once in a while, too, so that your memory does not you don't lose your memory of where those books of the Bible are. It's too easy to get too dependent on technology. So Jeremiah 29, and I'm going to be reading from verses 11 to 13. If you could please stand. Thank you. I've got it up on the slide there for people who do not have their Bibles. All right, 13. You will seek me... And find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places. I'm sorry, I started at 13. I'm going to start at 11. All right, I messed up. The last are out. Now I'm going to do great. All right, verses 11 through 13. I had 13 highlighted. I should have had the whole thing. All right, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. 
plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Thank you. You may be seated. Please bow your heads as we pray. Lord, I thank you this morning for giving us the freedom here in the United States to be able to come to a building like this and be able to gather with fellow believers, with brothers and sisters, Lord, to study your word and to hear from you, to learn what you want us to hear. Lord, I pray, speak through me this morning. Speak to each and every single one of us. Give us an opening, an open ear, an open mind to hear what you're wanting us to learn from your word today. Convict each and every one of us. Thank you for all you do. In your holy name we pray. Amen. There's a music artist out in the world right now, and really for about the last 20 years been very famous by the name of Toby Mac. I see a few smiles out there. Some of you guys may know the name. I'm a big music guy. In fact, just about every week I get on a website called newreleasetoday.com. So for any of you taking notes, newreleasetoday.com is a website which each week tells you which Christian music artists have just came out with a new CD that week, new music, and they do a review on that CD. So each week I try and keep up to date on what new CDs are out there so I can spread the news to fellow believers, to the teens as well. Toby Mac is an artist which many of you know because he's from DC Talk back in the 90s. And ever since then, he's collaborated with other bands and other artists to come out with just about always top-selling top and top-charting songs, great songs. Toby Mac was recently interviewed, and in this interview, he was asked a question, because he's been around for about 20 years from now. The question was this, how many more years do you have left in you? It's quite a direct question, kind of confrontational there. How many more years do you have left in you? And Toby answered it this way. He said, the rest of my life. Pretty simple. The rest of my life. He said, he went on to explain, the rest of my life. Because it's what a Christian does. It's what I do. I perform for God. I do these concerts for God and to further his kingdom. The rest of my life. So my question for you guys this morning as we transition to speaking about ourselves is, what do we do? How many more years do we have left in us? What do we do for God? Do we glorify God? Do we love God? Do we perform for God? What do we do for God? Do we have a relationship with God? You see, since the beginning of creation, God has strived to have a relationship with us. He created us to have a relationship with, with him. But our sins, our sins separated us from him. But yet again... God sent his one and only son to die for us because he wants that relationship with, with him. He wants to have a relationship with us. So if you do not have a relationship with him today, or if you don't know what I mean when I say you must have a relationship with him, I pray that you talk to somebody here, talk to myself, and really think through what does it mean to have a relationship with God. Do you know what the gospel means? Do you have faith in him as your savior, as your creator, as your Lord? You see, are we even seeking him with our life? If we truly have a relationship with God, then we should be seeking him in all that we do. We should not simply seek God on Sunday mornings 
but we should be seeking him every year, every day, every minute. He should be on our mind. The choices we make and everything we do. Are we simply seeking him for something or when we want something? Or are we seeking him for him? We should be seeking God for who he is. And he will bless us because we're seeking him or we're serving him. The title of this message today is, Whom Do You Seek? And it's based off Jeremiah 29, verse 11 to 13. But I'm going to bring some other scripture to bring light to it and to be able to expand your thoughts on that. I know this is a scripture that many of you are familiar with, but I hope to bring some different thoughts to you to ponder, to consider this morning. We're going to start with Psalm 1, 1 to 3. And you don't need to turn there. You can if you like, or you can just write it down to look at later. But Psalm 1, 1 to 3 tells us this. Blessed is the man who walks, not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You see, that verse... That scripture could be used in its own for a message, a great message, a sermon to each and every single one of you, because it means so much. But let me just expound one little bit for you on the very end there. It talks about a tree, a tree planted by streams of water that flourishes. It yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. And that can be just like us. If we are seeking out God, if we are serving him in all that we do, If we are that person, then we are like that tree planted next to that stream. We're gathering in that water, that nourishment to help us to flourish. But who do we seek? Who do we serve? Because we live in a world that is focused upon ourselves and our own wants, our own desires. Very rarely do we really consider others unless it somehow helps us too. You see, I'm always telling the teens and I'm the youth pastor, by the way. I'm the youth minister. My name's Patrick. So if you don't know me, now you do. I will try not to call upon you and, and have you help me brainstorm as I do this. I'll try not teach, to treat you like a teen. But I'm constantly telling the teens that in life, you have a lot of choices. Some of, that choi- some of those choices you have right now, you have currently in life. Some of those choices you're going to get more of as you grow up. But in life, we have a lot of choices. God has given the man, has got, given us the power to make a lot of choices in life. Some of those choices are simple. What are you going to eat for lunch today? Some of you may be thinking about that right now as your stomach's starting to grumble. I've been there. But some of those choices are not so easy. Some of those choices are what bills are you going to pay today? What bills are you going to pay tomorrow? How are you going to provide for your family? Some of those choices have to do with what your beliefs are doctrinally with God. Some of those choices have to do with God. But there's one choice which he hasn't given you a ton of choices with. God has made it utterly impossible for any human being to be on the fence. You're either good or bad. You're either saved or lost. There is no middle ground, no halfway business, no neutral for any person on earth. You heard last week from our guest speaker out of Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 No man can serve two masters. Again, you have a choice. What master 
are you going to serve? What master are you serving today? Whom do you seek? Why do we seek so many other things in life, so many other masters? Why do we try and serve so many different things when God's word already tells us that we cannot serve two masters? Your life, your testimony, everything you do in life is either helping to further the gospel, to glorify God, or it goes against God. Maybe you're just neutral, you're just stagnant, you're just lukewarm. Well, that can be against God as well. Either you're living for God, you're seeking him in what you do from day to day, or you do not. Matthew twelve thirty, Jesus tells us plainly, whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. And in Joshua twenty four fifteen, he tells us, choose you this day whom ye will serve. So, whom do you serve? Whom do you seek? Every single day, people are seeking out their own wants, their own desires. The statistics for divorce and infidelity and drunkenness and violence and depression, it goes up and up with every single year. Surely we may have some years where it starts to go down, but slowly it goes back up, and then it, it, it stays put for a while. The sad thing is, for a lot of Christians, those statistics are not much better. And it's because we're not seeking who we need to seek. We need to know that true hope is found in Jesus Christ. And only through Jesus Christ, through a relationship with God. We need to know that we are called to be spreading this news to the world. But we want what we want, right? We've been brainwashed by marketing, by media, and they've spent billions of dollars with marketing to try and decide how do we best get this in people's minds that they can have what they want. They can make the choice. Burger King and McDonald's have been great with this to help you plan out that you can make the choice. You can have it your way. But can we really have it our way? Should we have it our way? Let's get back to the scriptures for a moment. We're going to be back in Jeremiah 29, so you can kind of open your Bibles back there as we start to focus on that a little more. So often we skip over the basic principles of a happy and joyful life. We want to focus on that very first part of the Jeremiah 29:11 that you'll seek me and I'm sorry, that God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your life. But we don't want to follow after God to find that plan. We want to just think that God's going to give me that plan. God's got this great plan for my life, and he's just going to make it happen. I don't need to follow after him. I don't need to look to him. I can just go to church on Sunday because we want to follow after our own sinful desires of the flesh instead of following after what he's already told us is best for our life. Before we read any more want to talk to you, make sure you understand really the context, the background to these verses is God is not really telling one specific person that I have this plan for you, my will for you. Tomorrow you're going to become a pizza delivery driver. Tomorrow you're going to go to this college or you're going to get this job. You're going to talk to this person. But God is talking to an entire nation, the entire nation of Israel, not just one person. He's telling the entire nation that I do have a plan for your future. A plan that Israel would be restored, saved, redeemed. Jeremiah's writings confronted people, an entire nation in exile. 
There are many needs. Unfortunately, a lot of these people are starting to stray from the truth and listen to false hope of false teachers. How can we deliver honest hope? In Jeremiah's day, people longed for the restoration and return of their temple. Today, I feel people say the same thing. We long for revival. We long for Jesus' return and to take us up at tribulation. We long to be back with God. But are we really living that way? Whom do we seek? What do we do with our life? That's exactly one of the problems. We say we want revival. We say we want to be with Jesus. But we're not living that way. We're not living every day according to his will. We're not seeking him. Just like all of God's word, we can learn from these scriptures. We can apply it to our life to find out what God wants us to hear. God has a purpose in each and every single one of you here today. And you can learn something from this. He's speaking to you. So I ask each and every one of you to think through what is God trying to tell me today as we talk. Let's read verse 11 once again. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Let's stop right there and just think about that verse. Really dig into that verse for just a moment. How comforting is that statement? God has a plan for you of good, a good plan of a future and welfare and hope. You see, no matter who you are, no matter if you're rich or poor or the middle class, no matter if you're tan or white like me, or if you're African-American or Mexican, no matter what job you're in, no matter if you've been to college or not, no matter if you're young or old, it does not matter who you are. God tells us he has a plan for you. Let's dig into that in a little bit more. You know what that means? That means that God has each and every one of you on his mind. He cares for you, and he strives to have a relationship with you, even when you're not having a proper relationship with him. He's right behind you, tapping you on the shoulder and saying, turn around, look to me, I'm here for you, I want to help you. I want you to live with me, abide by my will, and you will have a joyful, amazing life. And I'm not saying that you won't go any str- through any struggles or troubles, God's not saying that, but he'll be with us. He'll be by our side. God has a plan for you. How comforting is that statement? But take it one step further. Dig in one step further. God has a plan for you, but do you have a plan for him? Have you really thought about that? What is your plan for God? Here lies the problem, and I was convicted about this couple years ago when I really dug into this verse myself. God gave me this message to speak to you a good month ago, month and a half ago, when I was really thinking through, praying through, what does God want me to speak about? And I chose to go with a passion God's given me, and that's this verse. Very rarely do we go past verse 11, especially if you're writing out greeting cards for graduates or other cards, especially graduates. You love writing down Jeremiah 29 verse 11, that God has a plan for you. But we don't go past that verse very often. We fail to look at the whole context, and that goes to a lot of different scripture. So before today, did you even know what those verses said after that? 
Maybe you had one committed to memory, but you didn't have verse 12 and 13. So, verse 12 and 13, let's read that and dig into that a little bit more. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. At first, that can sound very confusing to you. Um, It may be really hard to really ponder upon that and think through that if you read it really fast. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Well, what does that mean? It just goes back and forth. It almost sounds as if Jeremiah is playing an old-fashioned game of hide-and-seek with you. And if you look hard enough, you'll find them. If you look in every nook and cranny and every brook, every stream and every closet, every room, don't forget to look in the basement, you will find him. But I'm a fisherman. Let me give you this explanation. I just got a few people's um, attention here. They said I'm a fisherman. And as a fisherman, we like to think the fish are hiding. And often, we're looking in every nook and cranny, under the tree branches in the water, behind the weeds, and we're trying to find those fish. But here's my news for you. God is not playing a game of hide-and-seek with us. God is not like those fish trying to hide under those branches, behind those weeds from our nasty hooks. But God is right in front of us. You see, very often, we feel that God and his ways are hidden from us. We cannot see them unfolding in front of us. We cannot see his presence or his will for our lives. And we feel like it's our duty as Christians to constantly searching for that. And it is. I'm not saying it's not our duty as Christians to be searching after his will. But very often, his will is right in front of us. His plan for us, as he tells us, is right in front of us. It's right here. But we're not walking right there. We're walking around his will. Because we like to avoid doing things which the Bible says to do a lot of times because we want to do what makes us feel comfortable. We want to do what our own desires are. But here I am to tell you that we must follow God's will. And that's part of that God's plan. God does have a plan for you. He does have a future for you, an amazing future for you. But his plan for us is that we seek him. And when we passionately seek him with all of our heart, we will find him. We will find that will. We will find that plan. And that's my one point, my one slide, which I really want to strive for each and every single one of you to go home remembering today. You'll notice I'm not putting a lot of slides up here for you today because I really want you to get this one point. Maybe that sounds weird to you this morning. One point. Why one point? I'm used to point A, point B, point C point D. I'm very much a point-driven person as well, especially in life. I'm a checkpoint guy in my head. I'm always thinking, what's the next thing that I need to do today? My wife and I, I get home from the church each day, and we always go over, okay, what's the plan for tonight? Well, what are we doing after that? Well, I want you to wipe your minds clean. I don't want you to think, what's the next slide? I'm telling you right now, that is what we're focusing on. Passionately seek God with all your heart. Passionately one point because I want you to take this home with you and I don't want you to forget it. I don't want you to forget it tomorrow, Wednesday, Friday, all week, all months. I want you to be able to remember that we should be passionately seeking God with all our heart and not because we want some prayer answered, not because you want him to give you what you've asked for, what you want, but I want you to seek him for who he is, 
And he'll bless us because of our commitment to serve him, to glorify him in all that we do. You need to look at that first word passionately that's in red. I put it in red for a reason because there's many things that we might seek in life. You may seek after a promotion at work. You might seek after a happy and good marriage. You might seek after your family. You might seek after doing good in sports or good in school, good in college or high school, junior high, whatever you're in. But are you really seeking passionately? Because it means so much more to passionately seek it out with all your heart. If you're seeking with all your heart, you're giving it all you have. And each and every single day, it's on your mind. And you're trying to do that one thing. You're trying to think through, what can I do better today? Maybe you've passionately seeked after other things in your life. Maybe it's a promotion at work. And you know what I'm talking about. You know that each and every thought that day, you wake up and you think, okay, what am I going to do today to be able to get this promotion? What am I going to do today on this test, to study for this test, to get this straight A, the A's that I want? You can passionately seek something, or you can just kind of walk along and casually seek after it. We should be running to God. We should be striving to passionately serve him. Who is God? The Bible says God is creator. He is the father, the savior, the provider, protector. God is the great I am. The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the I am. Just that very statement, the I am. Tell, tell the people the great I am. That is an amazing thing. And a lot of you have done studies on the names of God, the characteristics of God, and what those mean. You could probably school me on some of them. But I want you to think about the great I am for just a moment. And what does that mean? Because I like to think what, what that means is that The great I am is everything and anything that you need in life. And maybe sometimes that hurts because he's the one that points out your flaws and tells you what you need to work on. But he is the great I am. I am your protector. I am your great physician. I am the great counselor. I am your savior. I am the God of mercy, mercy, the God of grace. The God of your struggles. I am a God of victory. A God who conquers. Who is God to you? God has a purpose in everything. And maybe this is something that God wants you to think of this week. Maybe you're thinking, who is God? And you can't come up with an answer. I hope each and every one of you knows that God is a God of mercy and grace, and that he's given each and every single one of you salvation and a future and hope through Jesus Christ, his son, who died on the cross for you. But who is God to you? To you? Whom do you serve? Which gods do you serve? What gods do you seek? Kyle Eidelman has a book, some of you may have read it, called Gods at War. And he points out that the very things that we serve in life are often money, Greed, power, sports, alcoholism, television, entertainment, media. There's so many things which you could think of. And really, they're idols. They're gods in your life because they're taking away your attention and they're taking your attention away from the one true God. Whom do we serve? Whom do we seek? Are we really passionately seeking God with all of our heart? Or are we seeking other things more than him? What is it that keeps us from God and his will? 
Is something else getting in the way? If so, we need to think through what is it that's getting in the way of God? What are you addicted to? And maybe that's a strong word, but there's something that gets in the way of you following after God's will, God's plan for your life. There's something that takes away your attention from God, the one true God that matters. What is it that keeps you from that relationship that he's striving with you to have with him? 1 Samuel 17, 32 tells us this from the life of David. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your heart will go and fight with this Philistine. As I go to this illustration, feel free to open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I think that one reason we do not seek God, or at least not passionately, is because often we're afraid. Maybe it's because you're afraid to go out of your comfort zone. You're afraid to follow after God's will because it means you have to give up some of the things that you like in this world. You have to give God what is due to him instead of giving your own desires what they want. Maybe it's you need to give a break from the TV, a break from work, a break from sports to seek after him. In 1 Samuel 17, we read from Life of David an illustration of why we have nothing to fear. No matter what it is that you're afraid of, of seeking out God, God is there for you. He's there to protect you. And one of my favorite parts of Scripture here is verse 32 to 40. So I'll read that to you. 1 Samuel 17, 32 to 40. And this is where the Philistines are up against Israel, mocking them and trying to get them to fight Goliath. And none of them have the bravery, the courage to do so. But David comes to Saul, verse 32. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. A lot of you may have been there before, and you feel like other people discourage you. Other people put you down and say, say You're not good enough to do this. What are you even thinking? As a teen or a, young, a younger person here, maybe you're thinking, People are always telling me I'm too young to do this, I'm too young to do that. God is still there to work through you. And no matter what people try and tell you, no matter what Satan tries to tell you, God can still work through you and give you the power to overcome. He goes on in his reply to Saul. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. What a powerful part of scripture there. First of all, maybe you can put yourself in David's life there, and you can think you're a shepherd, and something, a lion, a bear, takes a sheep from you and drags it off in its mouth, and you now have a choice. We talked about this. You all have choices in life. What are you going to do with that choice? Do you follow after that lion? That's what David did. 
Or would we run and hide in our house and think, oh, let's run away, there's a lion here. David had the courage and bravery to go after that lion, knock the lion or bear over its head, over its brow, to release the sheep. He says to the Philistines, he has defied the armies of the living God. He goes on to say, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. You see, David knew that he had nothing to fear because as long as he's following after God and his will, God's plan, as long as he's seeking, passionately seeking God, God is there with him to protect him. Now, this does not mean that life will not be difficult. It does not mean that we won't go through troubles or struggles. I'm not here to preach the prosperity gospel and say that give God all your money, all your time, and you're going to be driving around a BMW and a million-dollar house or anything like that. I'm not saying that because it's not true. Jesus himself went through struggles. Jesus himself was persecuted and put on the cross to hang for our sins. Jesus' disciples were martyred. And we, too, will go through persecution and struggles. But even in death, we will have victory in life. We will encounter our own battles and fights. But just like David, if we are seeking out God, if we are seeking out God's will and God's plan, if we're passionately seeking him, he will be there for us. 1 Samuel 2.30 tells us this. Seek God. Believe in him. Honor him. And he will honor you. How amazing is it, again, to not only know that God has a plan for us, he's thinking about us, but also to read in Scripture from Psalm 1, as we did at the beginning, that God will bless us like that tree next to a stream. We will flourish. And that if we seek God, believe in him, and honor him, he will also honor you. God gives us all that we need, we are equipped for victory. Maybe you're thinking right now, what are you equipped with? What has God blessed you with? Maybe you're thinking of the house over your head. Maybe you think of the job that you have to provide for your family, the money that you have to pay your bills. But I want to go further than that. I want to go to the priorities. God has equipped us with so much more. God has equipped us with the Holy Spirit within us. We have God within us, such power to, be, to, to have within us. What do we have to fear when God is with us 24-7, we cause fear ourselves. But really, we have nothing to be afraid of. A few more verses for you. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Isaiah 41.10-13. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. So as I begin to wrap up this message, this motivational speech, this sermon, whatever you want to consider it this morning, I want us to ponder over some of the verses, upon some of the statements that we've talked about, 
not just simply passionately seek God with all your heart, but the supporting verses and statements there. So seek God with all your heart passionately. He has a plan for you. He is with you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will help you. I will uphold you. Here is another verse for you. Psalm 119, verse 10 to 11. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, we have so much going for us in life. Not only is God within us, we have the Holy Spirit within us, but as we are passionately seeking God with all our heart, we even have the word of God to give us everything that we need in life. But whom do you serve? Whom do you seek? Are you reading the word of God? You see, the word of God is a powerful thing because as you're going through struggles in life, as you're going through great times in your life, those verses that you have in your mind through studying his words through meditating on scripture are going to come through. They're going to help you every step of the way. God has equipped us with everything we need, but we need to stop walking around him, around his will and around his plan, and we need to walk with him. We need to allow him to help us. We need to put our pride aside and seek him passionately and allow him to be within us and to help us. Love not the things of the world. Do you choose the world or do you choose God? Each and every single day we have these choices to make. 1 John 2.15 tells us this, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. James 4, 4, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And Luke 14, 33, whosoever he be of you that forsake is not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. We must be willing to put aside the things of the world to put God first. Your priorities must be straight. We must have God at the top. And then our wife and family and the world. We must place God first. So this message would not be a proper message without one last step. It's easy to have a motivational speech, tell you guys, passionately seek God with all your heart. But how do you do so? You must have application. This is the part of the message, a part of, of this specific message, where I would normally ask the teens to help me brainstorm. I'd get out a dry erase marker and I'd, right on the dry erase board steps. People are starting to get kind of squirming their seats. I'm not going to ask you to help me. But I do hope and pray that each and every one of you do not just leave today with the few three that I give you. I hope that you think through this this week and you think through your own life. Passionately, are you seeking God? Who is God? And how can you passionately seek him better? We should always be trying to passionately serve God with more. So, I came up with a top three. Simple three, which all of you can remember. One, start your day right, end your day right with God. Worship God in all that you do. Now, there's many different ways to worship God. I'm not just thinking, I'm not just saying in song or with instrument. Like, Evan does an amazing job up here. Thank you, Evan. We all don't have those gifts. But worship God through prayer, 
through talking with him. God is your father and your creator, and he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to talk with him. He wants you to honor him through Bible reading and your devotions and meditating on his word and his will. And you'll find his will through first committing to serve him, because that's the first will of God, is that we have a relationship with him and we serve him, we glorify him. So number one, start your day right, end your day right with God. Number two, make choices wisely based off the, the above. Every day you have choices. Make those choices based off your prayer and your meditation on his word. And then number three, remember and live your life on the two greatest commandments. We put these up here. And not just to make the sanctuary look cool, give it some new decoration, but we put it up there because it means so much. It's what God gave us as the great commandments. The first and great commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. As you passionately seek God with all your heart, we need to strive to do those two things. Love God. First, get your priorities straight. Love God. Seek him each and every day. And then love others as we love ourselves. As we end today, I want to end with 1 Samuel 17, 37. Go and the Lord be with you always. As the worship team comes up, I'll go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you for speaking through me this morning and for giving us what your will is. I pray that we will all passionately seek to serve you in all that we do. I pray that as we have choices to make each and every single day of our life, we will start these days with focusing on what would you want us to do with this choice, that we will pray about these choices, and we will meditate on these choices based off Scripture and think through what do you want us to do. Lord, I pray that this week we remember this and that we passionately serve you in all that we do. In your holy name I pray. Amen.